0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings of one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on April 5th, 2021. I gotta say, Aaron, it, it made me a little crazy week before last when we recorded our show where you and I were... Wondering once again about Black Widow, and twelve hours later, Disney announced that they were were moving it yet again. And oh, I figured that
1: out by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they were doing phone repair. Turns out it was Kevin Feige sitting on a telephone pole, <laughs> uh, peeping in the studio with binoculars. As soon as we get done recording his show, he clicks on his walkie talkie and goes, "Release the news." Kind of like Release the Hounds, but different. But
0: I do want to point out here that once again, you know, you were the winner of Battleship here because you were the one who basically said, hey, it's going to be released to theaters and this is going to show up on Disney Plus. And you basically got it and won. Yeah, but I also said they weren't going to move the date. So yeah. if you make enough guesses, eventually
1: one of them is going to stick. It's like I bet on red and black and green. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. But at least today we got it right. Because at 10 a.m. today, the trailer for the new Loki limited series for Disney Plus dropped. And got to ask you, what do you think? I was so impressed with the trailer. I'm anxious to get Falcon and the Winter
1: Soldier out of the way just so I can dive into some Loki shenanigans. Mm -hmm. And I'm also in love with the fact that Owen Wilson is playing Mobius in the series. And to celebrate... Mm -hmm. Every time Jim says the secret password of, the interesting thing is, I'm going to play a clip of Owen Wilson going,
0: wow. <laughs> well, I must exercise a teeny bit of self-control. But I, I have to admit, as well, I, I was very impressed with what I saw. And yes, it's one of those things, I have to wait till June 11th? Uh, dang. Yeah, I mean, I
1: honestly think that they released the trailer like a couple weeks too soon because, like, I was really getting into uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier like a lot, mm-hmm. and then the trailer dropped, and that was like Falcon and Winter Who. <laughs> I want to, I want to talk to Loki for a red hot minute. That looks awesome, mm-hmm. and it's only because they've got the wibbly wobbly timey wimey mm-hmm. is, is what's drawing me to it at this moment. And I don't expect that from Falcon and Winter Soldier. I expect that to stay, you know, earthbound and in in its own timeline. And I am I want the excitement and interesting stuff of the time travel from Loki.
0: Okay. Just sort of tease something we'll be talking about on the second half of the show, but we chatting with a friend at Marvel Studios, and there's a possibility that Loki, thanks to this Time Variance Association or whatever, you Owen know, Wilson's organization, this may actually be finally the Marvel limited series that does in fact hook up with a movie But we'll talk about that in the second half of the show today. And before we dive into the news portion of the show, news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Also, because this past weekend was the Easter weekend and, you know, people had family obligations and that sort of thing, I'm going to assume that there are people who have yet to see episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
1: And to which I have to say, shame on you. Get your priorities straight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get around to it till Saturday. And in fact, lovely Sharon Hoodlum's mom reached out, I want to say, on Friday afternoon and and was asking questions. And it was one of these things like, Mm no, 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 don't spoil it for me. So, assuming there are people who have not seen Episode 3, which was uh, subtitled The Power Broker, we're going to hold off till the second half of the show before Aaron and I talk about that. Okay, so diving into the news of the day, and, and literally some of this stuff is just 24 hours old. Did you see that Chadwick Boseman won a posthumous SAG Award last night for Best Actor for his work in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom?
1: I did not see it, but I am not surprised by it.
0: There were those who were saying that this bodes very well for the exact same thing happening for Bozeman when the 93 Academy Awards are roll around. By the way, that's Sunday, April 25th. But the thinking is now that it's quite possible that he'll take home a posthumous Oscar for also for his work in R. Randy's Black Bottom. Ryan Coogler, the writer-director of of The Black Panther, also readying Black Panther 2 right now, which... By the way, did you see the release date on that? That's July twenty second, two 2022. So Panther 2 is dropping on the 22nd day of July in 2022. Somebody's really got a thing for twos at Marvel Studios.
1: I wonder if their marketing department will pick up on that gimmick. (laughs) Gee, I hope it shows up on a poster somewhere. (laughs)
0: Anyway, Ryan uh, took this opportunity, what was the posthumous recognition that Chadwick's getting to, reminisce about his friend. This is from an interview with Hollywood Reporter, and when talking about the original Black Panther, he said that was his movie. Chad was hired to play that role before anyone else was even thought of. Uh, He he was on the film before I was hired, before any of the actresses were hired. Ryan also talked about what it was like to work with Chad on the set of the film, and what was interesting, he just wow. talked about Chadwick, it was all about everybody else on the set, even given what he was going through and now know about the, the stage three colon cancer. He was checking in on all the other actors, making sure they were good. You understand the concept of coverage, you know, when you're you're shooting a scene and you're literally shooting over somebody's shoulder to get a close-up with somebody else. The thing is that Bozeman would never do the star trip. He'd, he'd stick around and all read lines for people off camera to help the other actors. Also, this is where Kugler first really talks about the stage three cancer. He says, I didn't know what was going on. I knew what he, uh, Bozeman wanted me to know. Also, he talked about what it's like to be working on Black Panther 2 now that Chadwick is gone. And Ryan said, look, it's difficult, but you got to keep going when you lose loved ones. I know that Chadwick wouldn't want us to stop. I I can feel him yelling at me like, what are you doing? So you have to keep going. Do you and your bride watch Bridgerton on Netflix? No, but we're aware of it's brouhaha
1: that Mm. it has created. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Same thing here. Nancy and I have not watched it yet, but Nancy is going to be having back surgery later this month and going to be out of commission for a number of months while she's healing. So we have a lot of stuff, you know, sort of in the pile to binge the crown. and, And Bridgerton is there in the pile. An actor on the show, Reg Jean Page, who plays the Duke of Hastings, uh, who evidently is the heartthrob of the show. And just recently, fans of the show had their heart broken because they're going to start shooting the second season of the show in a couple of weeks. And evidently, Reg is not coming back. Uh, the Duke of Hastings character is not going to be featured on season two. and How's your heart going to throb now, see? I well now where this gets interesting is as far back as january there were rumors that reg was basically the number one with a bullet so to speak for the new black panther that you know remember feige said that they're never going to replace chadwick that they're going to explain what happened to t'challa but in the the comic book tradition that, you know, another character can come along and assume a role. That's where this gets interesting because with season two of Bridgerton starting up in a couple of weeks, the speculation is the reason that Reg had to step away from the show is that if he is in fact going to be doing Black Panther two, he would be unavailable if he were working on this Netflix series. So the way it's been explained to me that if this actually goes forward, both Disney and Marvel have decided out of respect to Bozeman's family, and because it looks like you know Chadwick could take home this posthumous Oscar for uh, his work in Maroney's Black Bottom, that they're going to hold off on any announcement or, or to that effect till after award season is over. So um, I guess we're going to have to wait till late April, early May, to see if this rumor pans out. So are what, are they tap dancing around the idea that they
1: won't recast T'Challa? Mm-hmm but they will replace the Black Panther with a different named character, like Jeff. You know?
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't think it'll be Jeff. but, but no, prob- yeah. Probably
1: not, but I mean, if, if this guy comes in, mm-hmm. I mean, he's either a villain, which I doubt is the case, mm-hmm. or the, he's going to take over the mantle. Mm-hmm. Is that the thing that they're trying to tap dance around and not going to say until after award season is... Uh, technically, we're we're telling the truth by not replacing T'Challa.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, remember early on, there was all this talk of Shuri, so to speak. And the weird thing with Marvel these days, especially given how screwed up the release schedule has been through the pandemic. and And now, of course, all of the excitement because the Marvel limited series have been embraced so enthusiastically. And this is suddenly an exciting new venue where... You're not locked into a two-hour runtime. You can do six hours and tell a story. Anyway, speaking of casting, did you see the news coming out of WonderCon at Home weekend before last about Marvel's Modoc? They have found their Tony Stark and Iron Man.
1: Yes, and we cannot have enough John Hamm in this world, so please, may I have another slice of that juicy, juicy rump?
0: Well, you know, just I, I love that if you think about the amount of recreational drinking that Ham did against <laughs> his character on Mad Men. Yeah, he does fit, right? Sure, yeah. It's like, oh my God, this is the perfect guy for Tony Stark. But we also have to understand that Modoc is really more of a domestic comedy than a Marvel comic book adventure. And so we have to assume that Iron Man... Tony Stark isn't necessarily going to be front and center in every episode, but but I love this casting. I love this idea and can't wait for when it it begins to air on Hulu on Friday, May 21st. And speaking of Hulu, are you familiar with the show that airs on on Hulu, Pen15? Which, by the way, when you, spell, you write it out, spells something different.
1: I've never called it Pen Fifteen. I've mm-hmm. called it something else for the obvious reason that you just stated. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm aware of, but don't watch. Okay, that show.
0: All right. Well, there is an actor, Dallas Liu, on the show who, back on March 31st, got cast for an unnamed as of yet role in Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Which is kind of unusual news, given that for all intents and purposes, Shang-Chi and the Ten Legends supposedly wrapped up production in November of last year. If you recall, they started shooting at Fox Studios Australia back in February of last year. They were forced to pause production because of the pandemic in March. The cast and the crew returns to Sydney to uh, resume production. That's August, and then over a three-month-long period, CBU Luth, who plays the title character in Shang-Chi, described as 13-odd weeks where we made on-set safety an absolute priority, and this is just a scary stat. Between the cast and the crew, that translated into 40,000 COVID tests without a single positive, so...
1: Congratulations, good job on the logistics planning of that one.
0: That many swabs, and who was it that... I don't even want to think about it. So anyway, on November 15th, director Destin Crichton hops on Instagram and just puts up this three-word message. We are done.
1: Famous last words.
0: Yeah. uh, So again, again, we have this March 31st story from Deadline that Dallas has been cast in a very tightly kept under wraps role. So that suggests that reshoots are underway for this Marvel Studios production, which...
1: I don't know. I I think uh, Zack Snyder... Is taken over. <laughs> we got an extra thirty million dollars from Marvel somehow, and they're doing oh. the Snyder Cut of everything.
0: I still haven't seen that. I just I I need to be in the right headspace for the four-hour-long experience. But
1: it's broken up into chapters, so you can do it day by day for oh. you know an hour here, an hour there, whatever. So yeah, if you if you want to bust it into pieces, mm-hmm. bite-sized pieces, you you can do that. Okay,
0: But again, this is not a reason for alarm. Marvel does this all the time. They typically build two weeks into the schedule for reshoots, that sort of thing. And the fact that Shang-Chi's release date has been pushed back this September 3rd of this year, that gives Marvel Studios more time to tweak their very first film built around an Asian superhero, which you have to... I mean, forgive me for bringing ugly realities into this situation, but given... The recent spike in Asian hate crimes, you have to assume at Disney that Shang-Chi has suddenly become a much higher priority, you know, to the effect of we have to get this right. Yeah, I don't see them sitting, you
1: know, like after they were done shooting mm-hmm. and now they're in the editing process. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine anyone looking at the film, no matter how great it is, mm-hmm. and looking at the film today inside of Marvel and Disney going, It's absolutely flawless. There is no way possible to improve on this. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks like that. They're looking at it under the most obscene microscope going, what's the little detail we're not seeing that's going to break it? And how do we fix it before it gets out? We've got X number of months. Come on, guys, look at it. Mm -hmm. What are we missing? And there's, you know, a hundred different sets of eyeballs looking at it hypercritically, and they're all throwing in stupid ideas. Mm -hmm. So they've got the time. They're going to look at it critically up until it's, it's released. And you're right. It is very important to them because it is built around their first Asian superhero. Mm-hmm. So they want, to, they want to represent it accurately and authentically mm-hmm. and not fall into something that is perceived as a stereotype. I do remember one instance of an artist mm-hmm. who ha- had to draw, and this is back in ye olden day when you didn't have black folk in comics very often, mm-hmm. but he had to draw a black person. And he wanted to use his friend as a model. And he said, I don't want it to look stereotypical. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, just draw what you see. Mm -hmm. And it can't be stereotypical. If I have a larger nose, that's because I have a larger nose. I'm not ashamed of that. It's not a thing that haunts me. Mm -hmm. It's who I am. So I think that they have to just look for authenticity mm-hmm. and as long as that you know if, if the spirit's true mm-hmm. we're willing to forget a lot of like story mistakes or you know things that don't quite add up story wise that you'd be hypercritical of later on because you just
0: love the story sort of the difference between the DC and the Marvel comics, and I think the fact that Marvel would take the news of the day, what was going on in the real world, and and fold that into the comics—you know—they would. Oh, make- and that's
1: so apparent in Falcon and Winter Soldier, which we'll hit on later. Yep. But yep. yeah, that's exactly the the point is. They have to address things, and I'm glad that because we get the six hour format for Falcon and Winter Soldier, we get to touch on that aspect that we'll discuss on the back half of the, the second half of the show today.
0: And speaking of which, we're going to talk further about other Marvel Studios productions that may be making last minute tweaks and doing reshoots after this commercial break. We were just talking earlier about Black Widow getting its release date pushed back to July 9th, which in turn, because that moved from May to July, Shang-Chi got pushed out to September 3rd. Did you see, however, while that was going on, that Sony also moved Let There Be Carnage?
1: What were they moving it closer or further away to or from?
0: Because Shang-Chi moved to a September 3rd date. On March 30th, Venom Let There Be Carnage was shifted to a September 24th date. And what was interesting about that is the week prior, they had announced that the movie uh, was going to be opening on September 17th. And then the news broke about Shang-Chi moving to the third. And uh, evidently, the folks at Sony were kind of looking at that and realizing that given the typical Marvel pattern, their films hold very strongly for about three weekends, which meant that the weekend that Venom Let There Be Carnage came into theaters. If it stayed with that seventeenth date, it would be competing with Shang Chi for Marvel fans. So it's like, ugh. so they literally moved it that one more week, so Shang Chi would have its three weeks of of unadulterated Marvel fans, and then. On the twenty fourth of September, Venom, let there be carnage. Drops with the hope that okay, Shang Chi is it has gotten its 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 market share. It's our turn. And also talking with the folks at Sony. Also, when the original Venom came out in October, and they kind of sold it as kind of a, a horror film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, going to try to capture that. It's October. I should go see a horror film. Audience. So the twenty fourth puts you within spitting distance. Of, you know, they should have just moved it back a couple extra weeks and and
1: put it smack in, in Halloween week and been done with it. Was there something blocking
0: Halloween that's better? I'll have to check on that. I know that 2021 has gotten complicated because of so many films announcing release dates and then shifting their dates and you know studios scrambling to fill holes. So I'll take a, a closer look at October and see if there's anything going on there. And speaking of Venom, let there be carnage. Just today, there's a publicist for British heavyweight boxer turned actor Larry War Machine Olubamiwo, and this publicist put out on news today that Larry has recently finished filming Venom Two, which will be released later this year. Which kind of confusing because supposedly Venom wrapped production back in February, so. When obi Bami woo's publicist says recently, did, "What does that mean? Last month, last week, with these reshoots or new scenes?" And it's for the it's for the Snyder cut
1: of Venom too, by the way. And just <laughs> the guy moves, he shoots really, really quick, cuts really fast, moves on to the next project. lick me spit he, like a rabbit.
0: Does he ever get out of the editing room? I, I picture him very, very pasty white at this point. If he's just always in there cutting extended version of all these films. No, he, he
1: makes movies like a Catholic rabbit makes babies that just rapidly <laughs> and with abundance.
0: Oh. Okay, remember those complaint letters go to <laughs> RN. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> All right. Uh we should also notice we were just mentioning Venom rap production. Spider-Man No Way Home, supposedly rap production, <laughs> weekend before last uh March 26th. On the other hand, and I am hesitant to bring this story up because I know. What Aaron is going to say already, but seriously, folks, this story broke earlier today. There is a gentleman called Roger Perra, and he is somebody who has previously dubbed Tobey Maguire's performances on film. He's the guy you go to when you're crafting a Tobey Maguire film to be done in Spanish. And Roger Perra just revealed that he's just been hired by Sony Pictures to come work on Spider-Man No Way Home, which supposedly, according to the way the internet is losing its mind today, adds further credence to the rumor that Tobey Maguire's version of Spidey will be showing up in No Way Home. So, Aaron, take it away. Mm.
1: I want to know, has anyone on planet Earth seen Tobey Maguire lately? He has had a voiceover credit from 2017, Mm -hmm. and his last physical appearance on screen was in 2014, playing... Chess genius Bobby Fischer in pawn sacrifice. So that's seven years mm-hmm. since he's been filmed for for film. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all I know, the only red suit he could fit into right now could be a Santa suit.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and nobody's seen him. I mean, you know, blink three times if you're okay, Toby. What's going on? <sighs> Is someone taking him hostage? He's just not been a boot lately. Yeah. And I don't know if Spider-Man 3, No Way Home, is going to be the next thing to pop up on his IMDb page in a couple of months, but I still
0: doubt it highly. Okay. All I can say at this point is there was plenty of speculation about this guy will no longer have a job because he said this out ahead of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. So...
1: I would imagine that because there is also the idea floated in this whole hypothetical that mm-hmm. as a result, and, and I'm just going to go with the assumption that it's not going to be the whole plot. It's going to be like a cameo. Mm-hmm. If Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire are in this movie, mm-hmm. it's for a minute or so, not like a half hour or more. But beyond that, Jim, is the idea that at the end of the movie, like maybe in the, in the mid-credits scene or whatever, mm-hmm. they will have enough villains to tease a Sinister Six for the next movie through Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina, past villains that have worked well on screen. Mm-hmm. If they're going to go that route, if they're going to bring in those characters, they're going to get rid of Andrew and Toby and leave our current hero, Spider-Man, to face all of those villains in a Sinister Six all by himself. Because you can't have Toby and Andrew tag along no, no, for the ride. No, no. After I get that. that right? I
0: get that. But what you just described, I would buy a ticket for now. Sure, and that's what
1: that's the, the plan. So I think it's going to work. I just, I, I, still have doubts. But go ahead. We'll be okay. on. Okay.
0: No, 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 just well, just one other thing that when they finish production, they traditionally give the crew a gift, and in this case, it was a number of gifts, and there was an image of the sort of gift bag online uh, that showed up a a week or so ago the online community because they're like the people who have examined the Zapruder film they're always looking for the the gunman up on the grassy gnome they were looking at the t-shirt that was given in the gift bag and it's like look that's the design from the Andrew Garfield version of the Spider-Man suit and it was just just at this point I guess I don't have a well developed enough eye for these sorts of things, but I was looking at it and it's like, if I bring that up to Aaron, he'll beat me to death.
1: No, I I saw the uh the photo that you're talking about. Yeah. And it does the suit does resemble the Andrew Garfield suit, but mm-hmm. also Spider Man gets a new suit every movie. How do we know that's not his new suit for this movie? Uh, interesting. I mean they have to sell new toys every single movie. Mm-hmm. So you know there's a suit design redesign coming up every film. Okay. So I I don't know. I mean, it could be a a nod to a past thing. It could mean Andrew's definitely in the movie and and I'll be wrong. That's fine. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm wrong three times before breakfast. So, you know, that's, you know, that's it. I'm comfortable with my own idiocy, you know? It's just, exactly. So,
1: it's our home plate zone there. It's where we feel comfortable is in the wrong zone. There go we ahead. go.
0: There we go. Okay, <laughs> moving on now. And again, I want to caution folks this is the part where we talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and there will be spoilers. But I have to ask, what's your take so far where, where we are in the story? I'm so very excited for so many different things. I mean,
1: in what was it episode two where we got to meet isaiah yes 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 and i i instantly went oh my god are they actually gonna do uh red white and black A mm-hmm. uh, truth red white and black uh the storyline because i remember that from it was very very early 2000s like yeah uh, o- the- o- one or two or something like that
0: uh, actually january to june of 2003 Um uh, okay yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Back in, in them old, good old days, I don't think the the fire of indignancy, like, yeah. oh, this is horrible. You know, when people spoke out, it didn't quite travel as fast mm-hmm. online because we didn't have as much social media. It mm-hmm. was mostly in comment sections where you'd read these mm-hmm. thoughts. And there was a lot of just flat out racist people mm-hmm. saying you can't have a black Captain America. How dare you? Mm-hmm. And then the series came out and then there were a whole lot of people like, this is Mm -hmm. awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really needed this. And even though the character was treated very, very harshly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was another one of those thought provoking storylines that makes you. And just to very quickly gloss over what the storyline is. Mm -hmm. The fact that before Captain America was successfully created with Steve Rogers, Mm -hmm. there were experiments done on the on the black population very much like the tuskegee tuskegee airmen uh, yeah, yeah 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 the the way that you know we just used human beings as lab rats mm-hmm. because you know the, of that instilled racism in the institution Mm-hmm. And so it's necessary to tell those stories Mm -hmm. so people are aware, oh, my God, that really happened. Or, you know, obviously not the super soldier serum, but it's taken from a real life thing Mm -hmm. that so when you do investigate where did this story come from and you see it linked back to reality, it's that much more horrifying, isn't it? I mean,
0: truly. Yeah. Yeah. Find
1: out Frankenstein's monster is a real damn thing. Mm hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think that they're touching on subjects we shouldn't have today, like racism, but mm-hmm. they're still touching on it because it needs to be touched on apparently because it hasn't devolved into oblivion. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep addressing it until it does devolve into oblivion. And this is Marvel's way of of acknowledging that it still exists, even in their corner of the, the 616 universe.
0: Mm. I mean, I, for me, what I love is a serious story beat like that think about it with each of these three episodes we've had movie quality action scene we had our you know sam's mid-air rescue and then at the edge of libyan airspace episode two we had that amazing truck roof battle with the fly we we do need to count how many truck roof
1: battles we have had within the mcu because (laughs) that seems to be a very popular staging ground for that stunt show
0: Okay, you're not wrong.
1: If Disney were to build a stunt show in their park right now where people fight on a truck, yep. the audience would have to go, is this Winter Soldier? <laughs> is this... I mean, like, they've got three or four different movies that they could pick from by now where that could be set.
0: To be entirely honest, I was about to cite the, the Sharon Carter brawl with all of the bounty hunters in that that freight yard, but how many of those did we see on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I mean, that that was also kind of a go-to place to do a great fight scene. But but that doesn't take away from... That was, you know, an amazing fight scene. Emily uh, DeCamp, I want to say, did an amazing job, as did her, her son, folks. And then let's talk about adding Baron Zemo to the mix. Watching this guy on screen, you can't trust him. Anything that he does...
1: No, he's got that Loki quality of whatever he says is not is not mm-hmm. trustworthy.
0: So now let's cut to Sharon Hoodlum's mom's question, which the third episode was was called Power Broker, and we have our Sharon Carter character who she's been on the run all of this time, and she ended up in uh, Madripoor, I want to say, which mm-hmm. the, doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States, so she's out of reach, so to speak. But this is a cynical, beaten-down Sharon, and given the way she exits episode three, our Sharon, Hoodlum's mom, flat-out asks, do we think that Sharon is the power broker?
1: Initially, I said, no, I don't think so, because it was a... a departure from how the power broker had been previously portrayed in comics. Mm-hmm. Not that that means anything in the MCU, they can change anything at all in it mm-hmm. and it just doesn't matter. Okay. They've got that fluid ability. And so setting that aside, I was like, what then would she want to go back to the, if she was the power broker, would she want to go back to the U S would she want her name cleared and leave all of that power behind just so she can go home. Mm-hmm. But after rewatching that particular episode and seeing how she goes to remember they said there's lower poor, which is the poor side and then mm-hmm. there's upper mm-hmm. madripoor which is the rich side yeah. and she takes them from the low side to upside mm-hmm. and she's got a place full of art that you know they say that the fakes are in the louvre mm-hmm. and the real ones are in places like this that are sold to criminals mm-hmm. and she's in charge of it so yeah Woodland's mom probably onto something there.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we have three more episodes and a couple other mysteries to clear up. I mean, we've uh, we've established that Carly Morgenthal with the Flag Smashers who went from, you know, noble, you know, getting food and supplies to people in, in refugee camps to blowing up a relief organi- organization. So it's hard to know who to trust at this point or, you know, who to— you know sympathize with
1: i want to know if they're manipulating us by casting that girl Mm -hmm. uh plays emphasis nest in solo a star wars story yes yeah who's like the who was bad guy Mm -hmm. turn we thought throughout the movie solo that she was the bad guy Mm -hmm. but then it turns out she is the one of the founding members or a leader of a very very young rebellion Mm mm-hmm and so we get that character switch of, oh, we thought it was bad guy. Now she's good guy. And mm-hmm. now she's cast as bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if everyone's going, hey, wait a minute. is that the leader
0: of the rebel? Oh, wait, wait a minute. How's this going to work? <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. And it is a brilliant bit of casting. Also, other questions, though, plugging into uh, you know what Sharon was saying about the power broker. I mean, think about it. We had Selby in that meeting taken out by a sniper and then minutes later, Sharon just shows up. So it's like, That's a coincidence? I don't know.
1: The other thing that lends itself to uh, Hoodlum Mom's idea Mm -hmm. is the fact that the show is called The Power Broker. Mm -hmm. Now, they do mention the character, but if the character's not actually physically introduced on screen, Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be named The Power Broker as an episode. So my Mm -hmm. belief would then lead to that they had to have shown The Power Broker on screen Mm -hmm. without actually saying that they've shown The Power Broker on screen. And that does still lead into the the hypothesis that it's Sharon.
0: Okay. Okay. But again, Zemo, I love his prison break. I love that, you know, the whole casual, oh, by the way, I'm rich. I'm a baron. I have a plane. Since that character has entered the situation, like Bucky and Sam, I feel off balance. I also love the little callbacks to Civil War, like Sam in the backseat of the car. It's like, you're not going to move your seat up, are you? Oh, While
1: we're talking about Madripoor and things of that nature, Madripoor is the hiding spot, the the island of refuge for Mm -hmm. mutants. Mm -hmm. And thus far, we have not had any solid introductions to mutants per Mm -hmm. se. But when we met Isaiah, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, if. He exists because his son is also going to end up being a character in the, in the comics, his son, the guy that ends the kid that answers the door mm-hmm. in Falcon and the winter soldier, he ends up becoming a hero later on. Mm. And so I'm thinking, well, if it's passed now, genetically, we have a superhero, a super soldier that ends up having offspring mm-hmm. that might be the genetic mutation. Cause that guy's been around long enough that we could have several generations pass like, you know, two or three. Mm hmm. So if we have a couple generations pass of super soldiers, DNA being passed down, we could end up having something rather mutant like today. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't been officially introduced yet. As a story idea, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how the X-Men are going to be brought in, Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing things that are possible ways that they could lead into it. I just don't have anything solid yet. I'll keep my Sherlock magnifying glass peeled.
0: No, no, no. I mean, I just, again, I love that that your knowledge of the comic books and and how you're able to apply it to the show and point out a character like pay attention to him. He's important. So duly noted. and, And as long as we're talking comic books, we have talked at length on this show about black widow and you know marvel's original plan for when this was going to be released and how it's going to launch phase 4 and that sort of thing and i'm reading a book right now Inside the Disney marketing machine, it's a, a wonderful book written by Lorraine Santoli that talks about how Disney would put together these elaborate campaigns where all divisions of the company would work to promote a project. So you know that, that it you know it's front you know, you cannot escape it. It's front of mind, and I think we've only briefly talked about the Black Widow comic book. I think it was written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Elena Casagrande. This book got tripped up by the pandemic. That was set up to help promote Black Widow, and when it became apparent that the pandemic was shutting down everything, Marvel cut a third of the titles they were going to start releasing in May and June. The Danos who were doing this in April, mm. and then meanwhile, there is this this book that's supposed to help launched this film and when they finally get it you know sorted out they they begin you know they're going to, they're going to be printing them september to key off of the november release date of of the black widow which again doesn't happen and so this series of comic books kind of twists in the wind which is why i wanted to point out I just found on Amazon that the collected series of these books, it's called Black Widow Volume 1, The Ties That Bind. It's going to be released. It's finally hitting store shelves on May 4th, 2021. And the irony is they picked that date because, remember, before Black Widow got pushed off to July, it was supposed to open on May 7th. So I just wanted to talk this book up. I pre-ordered my copy because I feel like, you know, poor Kelly and Elena have been through hell and, you know, and I hear it's a, it's a wonderful story. So that's worth checking out. And you, on the other hand, Aaron, you came across something else also that, that you wanted to talk up and this, this amazing set of, of playing cards. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, it came from uh, Theory 11 and magicians love really slick, smooth, fancy looking playing cards. And back around Christmas time, they had released a massive set of Star Wars themed playing cards, Mm -hmm. which my wife had gotten for me for a gift. Mm -hmm. And they are just gorgeous. The, The Star Wars ones, they had a red backed, a blue backed white backed and also black backed and some just incredibly gorgeous artwork for the kings and and queens and the jacks etc and because of their popularity uh Theory 11 had decided to make the Marvel Infinity War deck which encapsulates the entire saga mm-hmm. from Iron Man on on up and uh The the artwork is phenomenal. You can go to theory11.com to uh, see the artwork blown up, all beautiful. But if you like to play cards, if you're a magician and you like to manipulate cards, if you just like cool artwork about Marvel, it's only, I want to say, like a, a $10 for this deck of incredibly beautiful cards. Oh wow,
0: really? I didn't know that was the price point because when you talked about this, I went to the, the Theory 11 site and they are just crazy, beautiful cards. Right down to the box that they're in. Yeah, they've also got
1: a, a Mandalorian deck because mm-hmm. I know Mandalorian's been hot. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, one deck is nine ninety five. If you're, uh, you know, places like casinos and stuff. You know, and I don't know if it's going to be a casino, but you can mm-hmm. buy six decks for ten percent off if mm-hmm. you like buying. And I know magicians if they like a certain set of cards or a certain style of cards, they'll they'll buy many many stacks of those decks so mm-hmm. they can you know. They're disposable, it's part of your show, it's part of your tax write-off at the end of the year, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But as far as people like, you know, I, I know friends that are just super avid poker lovers, mm-hmm. but they're also super avid Star Wars fans. And that's where you grab the Mandalorian deck or the Star Wars deck for ten bucks, and they're like, Oh my god, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in the entire planet of Earth. Mm-hmm. And so now that they've got this Marvel deck out and it's only ten bucks, it's like if you if you need that gift mm-hmm. Because nobody else is thinking, I'm going to get him a deck of cards. That's the ticket. You know, you got to you got to think a little differently. Mm-hmm. But if you know someone in your life and they just really, really enjoy, you know, playing card games or they really, really like Marvel in particular and they've got every collectible under the sun mm-hmm. and you just don't know what to get them. It doesn't matter what they're a fan of because it's got all the heroes in it, right? You know, It's got Spider-Man in there. So if you're a Spidey fan, here's your... Jack of hearts.
0: I love the fact that the the two Jokers in the deck, one is Thanos and the other is Loki, you know? just, yeah. like, I just, I love that idea.
1: The decks are just filled with touch, nuance, and style. Mm-hmm. And they're slick as not on a doorknob. So
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: pretty slick, Jim, that's, you know that? That's pretty slick, so.
0: <laughs> All right, speaking of Loki, what with the dropping of the, the trailer for that Loki limited series on Disney Plus, just want to close out this week's show by sharing something I heard from a Marvel Studios insider. Interesting enough, this has to do wow. with the movie version of Black Widow and the perception at Marvel Studios that the fans have been jerked around for 13 months. And the feeling now at Marvel Studios is through no fault of anybody at the studio, and it's not necessarily that this this Kate Shortland film is bad, but because of what's happened to Black Widow, because of the pandemic, are we now dealing with the New Mutants revisited? A film that, you know, has become something of a, a, a joke because of the number of times it's been rescheduled. So there have been questions within Disney and Marvel promotion department of, well, is this really a perception or are we just sort of navel gazing? But if it, it really is the perception that's out there, how do we turn this around? Or, or more to the point, in a world where you know WandaVision and a Falcon and the Winter Soldier are white hot and this ravenous appetite now for Marvel content, do we even bother? A uh, Black Widow's gonna come out on on Disney Plus, it's gonna have huge numbers, and do we really need to do something? And the interesting thing is wow. there's kind of this idea on the middle ground to the effect of, well, what if we do something just out ahead of Black Widow being released to theaters and showing up on Disney Plus' premium content? What if we do something just ahead of that? So again, you have to remember, as we were just talking earlier in the show, Loki first episode drops on June 11th. It has a six-episode run, so Loki will be five episodes into its run by the time Black Widow debuts on July 9th. So the thinking is, could we do something special to link, you know, Loki to Black Widow during episode four? Just sort of tease the fans, get them excited so the very next week when Black Widow drops, they're talking about it. And so, and the beauty of it is, again, Loki is is a crime thriller with a time travel variant. So they have some time now. So the notion is, could we create a, a relatively short scene where Loki steps into the world of the Black Widow film? And so I, I guess they're looking over the footage. They're talking about doing something green screen. I guess they're having conversations with Scarlett Johansson, who obviously... Hold up now. The, the idea is mm-hmm. the, in the trailer that,
1: that was released just yesterday, mm-hmm. it has a shot where Loki is sitting down with Black Widow on Voromir. I mean, it it looks like they've already got Black Widow and Loki face-to-face in a scene that's in the trailer. Hmm. So they should already have done that unless they want to expound on that concept further okay i don't if they do that's that's fine but my whole thing is you know you've got positive reinforcement you know Mm. pavlov's dog Mm -hmm. everyone knows how that works there's also negative reinforcement Mm -hmm. if i say there's a treat in my hand 20 times and there's never been a treat in my hand eventually the dog (laughs) is going to quit paying attention to me right and so that's what's happened here is like I was interested in Black Widow a year ago and they went, hey, we moved it just a couple of weeks. Hey, we moved it just a month. Hey, we moved it six months. Hey, we moved it a couple more weeks. Hey, we moved it another month. And now it would, through sheer negative reinforcement of moving it 15 times and being let down 15 times or whatever the real number is, pardon mm-hmm. my exaggeration, mm-hmm. I don't care. I just don't care. And the, the real problem is right now, timing wise. Mm-hmm. When it comes out in theaters, I'm only going to have one Fauci ouchie under my belt by that time out of two. So I won't have the full vaccine, so I can't go into a theater. I am paying for Disney+, Plus, but I absolutely refuse to play for Disney++ Plus Plus for that $30 fee to rent the movie one time when just in your most recent fine-tuning with Drew Taylor, Mm -hmm. you had brought up the fact that, was it Ray and the Last Dragon or some movie came out? Where you could rent it for $30 with the privilege, the mm. gold and platinum card of Disney Plus Plus. Mm. And then just a week or two later, they're going, oh, or you could just buy it for 20 on regular old digital video on demand distribution.
0: And also, let's not forget that as part of that version you got the extra features with which included the cutscenes. but
1: exactly so i'm not i'm not going to be renting it on disney plus plus when they make that available to me i'm not going to be safe to go into a theater so i am going to be waiting for the digital download where i can purchase it and add it to my collection forever And until then, I just don't care what they say. They could put flippin' Dumbo flying through the trailer, and I just won't care until it it meets the requirements for me to be able to view it on my own terms, and that's video download.
0: Okay, well, let me throw just one last firecracker here on the pile. We just came off of WandaVision, where we were waiting for that moment where things linked up. In fact, you know, remember all of that speculation about who was Vision, you know, going to act with this this actor that he'd always wanted to act with. And we kind of seem to be repeating ourselves with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In fact, he, the warrior from Wakanda who just appeared in the show. It just, you know, the effect of, okay, you know, does that mean are we going to see somebody else from Wakanda? But to sort of bring this full circle and chatting with my, my friend at, at Marvel Studios, they got talking about the fact that. You can remember, Feige kept talking about how the movies and the limited series on Disney Plus were going to link up, and we're two shows in, and this hasn't happened yet. Wouldn't it be cool with Loki
1: if we finally did this? There is one little link that was noticed online. The eagle-eyed viewers, okay. oh my goodness! If you put the world to a task, mm-hmm. they will find they will complete their mission. Okay, in the background when they're at the Captain America Museum. Mm-hmm. If you squint real hard, pause at the right time, in the background montage of images of Cap that they have up, mm-hmm. they have a photograph of, like, a, a news headline photograph of when he has the the taxi door, and he uses that in as a shield in the very, very early stages of the very first Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. And then someone went and took a screenshot of captain America, the first Avenger during that scene. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a photographer taking a picture of him grabbing the door and using it as a shield. That's kind of at the right perspective. So when it ends up as a museum exhibit Mm -hmm. in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it links up perfectly to that very first instant of Captain Steve Rogers appearing on the street in a t-shirt and tight, tight pants, because he grew three inches too big. <laughs> I
0: did not know that. Oh, yeah, again. it's, it's well, really that...
1: kind of cool. Those those little, little itty bitty details. For if you want to spend, you know, the hours doing the Zapruder routine with the magnifying glass, mm-hmm. Marvel will reward you for your efforts.
0: Oh. Well, now I got to go back and look at episode one. OK, well, I want to thank you for, for you know listening in this week. I also want to thank Hoodlum's mom for sending us down the, the Sharon Carter rabbit hole. And she I- wins our Sherlock Award of the week worth three <laughs> Marvelous Disney cool
1: points. Remember, Marvelous <laughs> Disney cool points have no actual value and can be traded in for absolutely nothing.
0: Enjoy your bragging
1: rights. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Aaron and I will be back after the next two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll figure out who's who at that point. But until then, if you're looking for your for stuff to listen to, we do a number of other Uh, Podcast here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish with Lentesta. We've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor and have been working on several fun stories for our Universal Joint Show. Likewise, I Want That. So those will be coming along soon. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review Marvelous Disney. If you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. But if anybody has any additional information about Andrew Garfield T-shirts <laughs> or or Toby McGuire's, you know Spanish you know voice recorder, uh, sure, send them along. I'm I'm always trying to convince Aaron I'm, I might be right about this. You know I, I it's a long shot at this point, but I might be right.